Graveyard Timberlake, and today I want to read one brief but really important scripture verse from the book of 1 Peter. So if you have your Bible, open it up to 1 Peter. It's in the New Testament toward the very back of the scriptures. You can follow along in the Pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen as I read. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, and it says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. One evening, Rabbi Akiva was walking home. It was late. His study of the scriptures had gone on longer than usual, and so he was tired. And on top of all that, it was a foggy evening. And so between his fatigue and the fog, the rabbi missed his turnoff, to the village, and he continued walking down the wrong road for some time. Soon the rabbi came to a Roman outpost. The soldier on guard heard him coming, and from the other side of the wall, the soldier said, Who are you, and what are you doing here? The rabbi said, How much are they paying you? The soldier was caught a little off guard, but he asked again, Who are you, and what are you doing here? Again, the rabbi responded, how much are they paying you? Who are you? And what are you doing here? How much are they paying you? And this went on back and forth. Finally, giving in, the soldiers said, uh, they pay me one denarius a day. And the rabbi said, I will pay you double that amount to come to my house and ask me those same two questions every morning. Who are you? And what are you doing here? Friends, welcome to week two of our series, We Are Timberlake. During the month of February, we are telling the Timberlake story. We're talking about how we got here and where we are going from here and what God is doing in our common life. And so last week, we told about our beginnings, about the story of Timberlake on Homewood Drive and at Timberlake Tavern. And today, we are talking about our core values. Today, we're going to talk about our core values Core values are a matter of identity, the God-given marks of our church, the answer to the questions, who are we and what are we doing here? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. The idea of core values, friends, is essentially to name the ways in which we are becoming more and more like Jesus, because Jesus is our example. So we want to talk about the distinct ways that we are following him, about the character of our church that reflects the character of Christ to the world. Why is this important? Why would we take a Sunday to talk about core values? Let me suggest three reasons that core values are so vital for us. First, core values reveal our distinct identity as part of the body of Christ. You see, here's my conviction. Timberlake will never be the perfect church for everyone, right? Some people say, oh, we're too big. Other people say we're too small. Some people say, well, we're too sacramental. Other people will say we're too evangelical, and the list goes on. So we're we're not going to try to be perfect for everyone, but we're going to try to be perfectly who God has called us to be as the distinct part of the body of Christ. Secondly, core values are important because they come from God. 
Core values are like our God-given DNA, the, the way that God has designed us, the, the heart that God has given us. And the, the, you'll notice these core values are true of us from their very beginning, back in 1953, and they're still true today because they're part of who we are and always have been and always will be. Finally, core values are important because they are uncompromising. Uh, because they get to the core of our identity, because they come from God, core values will not be compromised. Uh, so you know it is a core value when it's a characteristic that we would be willing to hold on to even if we are penalized for doing so. Think about it. Let's say one of your personal core values is honesty. And you go into work one day and your boss insists that you lie to the client about something or else you'll be fired. And your response is, I guess you'll have to fire me because that I am not willing to compromise. It's so important to who I am. And so core values are uncompromising. So how do we discover and name our core values? Well, the theological language we give to this process is discernment. Discernment. The scriptures talk about the spiritual gift of discernment. And some of the people in this church are given the spiritual gift of understanding what God has for us and what God's will is for the church. And so two years ago... Uh, We met with the church council, that same group that was here, a little bit different composition two years ago. But in March of 2017, we had a Saturday retreat. And I asked the leaders of this church to think about who are we as a congregation? What is it that makes Timberlake unique? What is it that makes Timberlake distinct? What are the God-given characteristics of our congregation? And each person independently made a list and wrote down some ideas. And among other things, the leaders said... That Timberlake is caring. They said we are compassionate. They said we're trustworthy and loving and concerned and Christ-centered. And then last year, our group of 12 spies, the the vision team of Timberlake, uh, got together once a month for about 10 months. And we asked ourselves, who are we at our best? What is the core of God's call for Timberlake? And the vision team said... We have a dream to share the light of Christ with the people of Lynchburg, and we want to be more like Jesus. And then, friends, we asked you. We asked the whole congregation in our life groups, and we had a Wednesday evening dinner where we told the history and the story. How many of you remember the Wednesday night dinner we had in the fall where we told the story of Timberlake, and we talked about all the things that God is doing in our midst? And we asked you. What are the special characteristics of Timberlake? And you said we are loving, we are reaching out, we are God's hands at work, we are missional, we are caring. And so we took all these ideas from the council and from the vision team and from you, and we put them together and we said, what would be one word that would capture all of these ideas in in one word, in one concept? And the best word that we could come to is grace, that we want to be a church of grace, Because we are the recipients of God's unearned love and that we have this call to share that unearned love with our neighbors and with the world. Now, if you group all of the other characteristics together, you end up with the other three core values of Timberlake. And so the first is grace. But I want you to notice that our leaders also said that Timberlake gives our best for God, that we are a leading church, that we are 100% committed. 
And the vision team said, we want to be known in our community by creating ministries that reach people. We want to be a leading church. We want to be encouraging and helping other churches to be effective. And we asked you, and you said, we are a work in progress. We are souls on fire. We want to be the best church that we can be. And we put all these ideas together, and we said, what word best captures this? And we said, you know what? Excellence. Our core value is excellence because everything we do is for God and God deserves our best. And so we want to strive for excellence in our ministry. Our leaders also said that we are giving and gifted and sharing and that we are stewards. We're caretakers, not owners, but caretakers of all the resources that God has given us. And our vision team said, poverty and hunger are real in our community and around the world, and we want to be part of the solution. And you said Timberlake is loyal, helpful, caring, giving, and generous. And so we said, what is the core value that bubbles up around these ideas? And we said, you know what? The word is generosity. One of our core values at Timberlake is generosity. Every time I have noticed, I hope you have, I've noticed every time there is an invitation, people in this church give. They give of their time, they give of their talents, they give of their treasures, all for the kingdom of God. And the last one, the Timberlake leaders said that we are warm and friendly and invitational and accepting. And the vision team said, you know what, we've noticed that we're mostly white and we're mostly middle class, but we want to reach more diverse people. We dream of loving all people and welcoming all people into this church. And when we asked you, you said Timberlake is friendly and inviting and diverse and welcoming. Timberlake is a safe haven. Timberlake is non-judgmental. And so we put all those ideas together, and we said, what's the one best word that captures who we are, this core value? And we said the best word is hospitality, that our core value is hospitality, that we are a people committed to reaching and welcoming all of the people that God would send our way. Grace, excellence, generosity, hospitality. These are our core values. These are some of the most important characteristics about Timberlake Church. Now, these aren't the only important characteristics, but these are four of the most important ideas about who we are. And you know what's amazing to me, friends, about this? In our conversations, whether in the church council or the vision team or in our life groups or on Wednesday night dinners, I hear these ideas come up over and over again. The same ones, the same ideas come up over and over. And if we only heard it once or twice, it would be easy to dismiss. But when person after person affirms, yes, this is who we are, that is how we know this is a core value. That is how we know this is who God has given us and made us to be. So let's take a moment to unpack these core values. Let's look at some biblical foundations for each of these ideas. We'll open the scriptures, but let's also talk about what they look like in real life, in your life and my life together. So let's start with grace. What is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor, God's unearned love. It is the nature of God's care for us and therefore the nature of our care for each other and for our neighbors. Psalm 86, 15 reminds us of the character 
of our Lord. It says, You, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Friends, the Lord is full of grace for us. Grace means Jesus gave his life in exchange for yours. Grace means you would give your life in exchange for your neighbors so that they could come into the same saving relationship with Jesus that you and I enjoy. Let me tell you a Timberlake story about grace. Let's try to get our heads around what this looks like in real life. We actually told part of the story last week, if you were paying attention. In 1974, Timberlake was growing so much that the congregation decided to make changes to the building in order to accommodate all the new people God was sending into our church. So we literally turned the sanctuary around. The pews were spun around 180 degrees. The chancel, the choir loft was moved from one end of the room to the other. And uh, the people did it by the sweat of their own brow. They came with physical labor and with sweat, and, and they did the work. But what I want to suggest to you is the physical labor of that is so minimal compared to the work of the soul that these people needed to do in order to make this possible. Think about the amount of change that this congregation was willing to endure to reach new people. Think about the degree to which people were willing to become uncomfortable or get out of their usual routine in order to reach new people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do people uh, consider more beloved than the sanctuary? This is the most beloved space we can think of, right? And yet God said, would you change it so that I can reach new people by your efforts? And the people said, yes, we're, we're willing. We're willing to change. We're willing to get uncomfortable. You see, friends, the dying church says, we've never done it that way before. But the thriving church says, we are willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the gospel. That is the grace of God, my friends. That is an awareness that I'm a sinner saved by grace, and so the best way I can thank God is to do for someone else what God has done for me. Now, that's a church that is on the move, my friends. That is a church that is in mission to our neighbors who says it's not about our comfort it's not about our preferences. It's about what God wants from us to reach new people with the gospel. This is grace, friends, receiving and then sharing the unearned love of God. Second core value is excellence. <clears throat> excellence means giving our best to God. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now, I've noticed that sometimes in church uh, we have a hard time with this notion of excellence because excellence sounds like sort of worldly, right, like success or something like that. And I hear people say, well, I love Jesus. Isn't that enough? Isn't it enough just to love Jesus? Friends, the answer is no. That's not enough because we are called not only to faithfulness but also effectiveness. In the New Testament, Jesus says we will be known by our fruit. We will be known by our fruit. The measure of a disciple, the measure of a church is our fruitfulness. What do we produce for the kingdom of God? Now, to be sure, friends, faith is absolutely necessary. You cannot be in right relationship with God unless you have faith. But faith together with good work is what produces fruit for the kingdom 
of God. A little over a year ago, we held a service of death and resurrection for our brother, Stephen Ruff. Uh, His wife, Lori Ruff, is now an important part of our congregation, but her husband's death, Stephen's death, was Lori's first real experience with the ministry of our church. And so now Lori is a regular at our 11 o'clock service, and she's part of the prayer ministry. And after her husband's funeral that we hosted here and on all the care that we gave her, Lori sent a thank you card to this church. And Lori wrote this. When my husband Steve died, I felt like I was drowning in grief. This church was my comfort and my healing. There's a culture of Christian service and leadership at Timberlake that I have not experienced anywhere else. I was terrified, but this church family loved me through it. This is the moment I begin my new life. It will not be easy, but it will be eternally rewarding for me, a sinner saved only by the grace of God. You see this? Do you understand, friends? Her first exposure to this ministry was when her husband died, and you offered excellent care of her soul an excellent visitation, and we offered an excellent funeral and an excellent reception afterward in the Family Life Center. And when we do that, when we commit ourselves to excellence, we can harness the power of the Holy Spirit to touch people's lives. Third core value, generosity. Generosity. Brothers and sisters, we worship a God who is the giver of every good and perfect gift, including the Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as the people of God and as followers of Jesus, we are called to be givers. Friends, there's just no other way around it. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you are called to be a giver. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world, Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and ready to share. Note that generosity is not just a matter of giving money, right? It's a lifestyle. It means hoping in the God who richly provides for us. It means enjoying God's blessings. It means being rich in good deeds. It means sharing with others what we ourselves have received. I am so proud that over and over, when there is an invitation to give, you give. You give generously. So on Christmas Eve... You gave over $43,000 so that we can feed hungry people in this community. And already the missions team has begun meeting and talking about how are we going to spend those resources? How are we going to use these resources to bless the most people and to feed hungry people in Campbell County and in Bedford County and right here in our neighborhood? By the way, if you would like to be part of that missions team, please let us know. Talk to Pastor Matt or talk to me. We would love to have you as part of that team as we figure these things out together. The fourth core value, and the one I hear named perhaps most frequently around our church, is hospitality. Biblical hospitality is the sacred practice of sharing the love of God through baptism, at the Lord's table, with a a warm handshake or a hug on Sunday morning, with, with a hot cup of coffee. 
Hospitality is essentially making room for the other, making room for the guest, making room for the stranger. I've noticed plenty of churches, they say, you know, ah, we're full up, sorry, no more room. You know, it's like that, uh, like that innkeeper story at, at the inn where Jesus was born uh, all over again. And yet, somehow the people here say, you know what, there's always room for the next person. We can make room. Of course there's room for all the people God would send. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. You see, friends, we treat every person with kindness and with dignity and with love because every person could be an angel. Every person could be Jesus in disguise. Jesus said, whatever we do for the least, we do for him. And so when the least come to us, friends, it is Jesus in disguise, and we are called to offer our hospitality. I think my favorite Timberlake hospitality story is the story of Kenji Knight. Some of you know Kenji. Here's a picture of Kenji and his dad, Kevin, on the porch sitting in rocking chairs. Kenji was born in Japan, and his dad, Kevin, was a missionary in Japan when they adopted Kenji. So Kenji was born with some medical difficulties. He needed a trach, and a trach is a surgically created hole in the windpipe that allows him to be able to breathe. Kenji struggled with his medical condition early in his life, so much so that 10 different times his parents were told that he would not live through the night. And yet uh, he continued to thrive because of the love of his parents and the care that they were able to offer him. When he was young, Kevin said uh, he couldn't talk at the age that most children could talk. He could push out just enough air to say, Dad. So Kevin brought Kenji to the United States when he was about three years old, and uh, they did what uh, good parents do. They began to try to find education for their son, and so they started looking around at Christian preschools in our area, Uh, but it turns out that the trach was an obstacle. Uh, You see, a a number of the schools they visited were not willing to accept Kenji because they really weren't sure that they were capable of handling his medical needs. And so they they balked at that, and they they turned them away. And uh, over and over again, Kevin said that we were not accepted at this preschool and that preschool. Kevin said, finally, one preschool looked very promising. Uh, They seemed to be okay with the trach. They figured that they could handle it. And so uh, they got in through the application process, and and they had an interview with the people there. He said it was looking good. And then the question came, is Kenji a citizen? And he said, no, Kenji's Japanese, but he's our son. He's our son. And they said, we're sorry, we don't accept non-citizens at our preschool. Kevin said, here we were, fresh off the mission field, back home again. We were visiting Christian preschools. Is there no one who will accept us? Is there no one who would receive us into their ministry? And so, thank God, Kevin called the Early Learning Center at Timberlake. And he spoke to Diane Taylor, who was the director at the time, and she was warm and friendly to him on the phone, and she offered him a tour. And Kevin said, well, you know, Kenji has a trach. And she said, well, I don't know. Let's give it a try. 
Let's give it a try. Let's see what we can do. And thank God, dear friends, it worked. It worked. Kevin and Kenji thrived at Timberlake. Kenji was able to learn and grow and most of all to experience the love of Christ in this place. And as a result of this preschool welcoming Kenji and his family, they have joined this church, Timberlake United Methodist. Now, uh, don't sleep on just how big of a deal it is for Baptist missionaries to join a Methodist church. That is a big deal, my friends. And Kevin reminds me every chance he gets. But I always tell him, Baptists make the best Methodists. We all know that. So in the meantime, Kenji has become an American citizen. Uh, here's a picture of Kenji on the day that his citizenship papers arrived. Kevin said that his greatest desire for his son is that Kenji would have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that the worship of God and that the common life of this congregation would be a normal part of who he is. I want you to think about for a second what it would be like to be a single parent, what it would be like to have a child with significant medical needs, what it would be like to adopt a child from another country, and to bring him into this place and to look for a home and to just want so deeply for your child to be included and to be welcomed and to find a place like this, my friends. I'm so proud of this church. Kevin describes Timberlake as a place where the Spirit of God is allowed to move. He says there's no condemnation and there's no judgment. This church is real and comfortable and loving. Kevin said, this church is special because the people here, that's you, you have allowed yourselves to be used by God to provide comfort and inclusion, especially to children. He said, children are the gift God has given to this church. I'm so proud that we have accepted the gift and that we have accepted the call. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. Friends, this is our call, to follow Jesus as our example, even to the point of suffering, to follow Jesus. Our greatest hope is that we could be like him. Our greatest hope is that the whole world would know him. Let God's people say amen.